I'm so thankful to the Lord for that, that I heard that message that night and it just really gripped my heart. Roxanne worked second shift, which meant getting home late every night. But one evening was different. Instead of her favorite rock station, she found Focus on the Family on the radio. I didn't find out until sometime later that I actually, you know, got saved or born again or, you know, gave my heart to the Lord that night. I just knew that I prayed the prayer at the end. So I just, you know, was probably by that time, almost 1230, it would take me about half of an hour to drive home and just driving in my car, crying and filled with peace and joy and, and just feeling the presence of the Lord. It was wonderful. I'm Jim Daly. Working together, we can save more families like Roxanne's every month. Become a friend to focus on the family and invest in this ministry. Call 800-A-FAMILY or donate at focusonthefamily.com family. Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. So what about random acts of kindness in our own home? Can we sneak into dad's work bag and can we leave him notes and candy and just say, we're thinking of you? Or, you know, can we go to mom and take a chore off her plate to just say, we noticed that your plate is completely full. So the kids and I unloaded the dishwasher for you and we left a note just saying, we love you and we appreciate your work. Those are some really wonderful ideas from Courtney DeFeo about how you can instill godly character and faith into your children. And she's our guest today on Focus on the Family with Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John Courtney is so much fun, and I really appreciate her joy and passion. And as you'll hear, she's all in as a mom. Uh, Now, we know that parenting, especially when kids are young and more dependent, can be exhausting. But Courtney's got some great ideas that I think will inspire you. And she's addressing one of the top concerns we hear about from so many parents, how to effectively pass on your faith to your kids. Yeah, that's uh, something a lot of parents just don't feel equipped to do very well, or they're afraid they're going to mess up their children, or family devotions weren't modeled for them as they were growing up, so they don't even really know where to start. And that's why we're coming back to a classic conversation we recorded with Courtney just a few years ago. She outlined some great strategies and family activities where your children can learn about perseverance, forgiveness, humility, and service, all the things they need to become rooted in their faith from a young age. Uh, Here at Focus on the Family, we want to equip you to be the best mom or dad you can be for your children. And I urge you to contact us about Courtney's book and other wonderful resources we have for your parenting journey. We have the delightful book that Courtney has written. It's uh, In This House, We Will Giggle, Making Virtues, Love, and Laughter a Daily Part of Your Family Life. And you can order your copy by calling 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. And Jim, here's how you began the conversation with Courtney DeFeo on today's episode of Focus on the Family. Hey, you know, you share a lot about your... um parenting and your inability early on. Now, your kids are how old? Yeah, they're young. So you're, I'm bringing lots of seven and nine. So I'm a full on expert. You should just. (laughs) Well, no, what I, what caught me with it is your self-reflection and your ability to see the weaknesses in your parenting early Yeah. because your discovery, as we'll mention in a minute, and your turn, your pivot as a parent uh, is really early in your parenting. And I applaud you for that because a lot of people don't realize it until their kids are 15, 16 and they're trying to deal with the mess that they helped create 
in their kids. And so talk about what you were like a few years ago before the Lord really got to your heart. What kind of parent were you then? Yeah, I mean, I've always been a passionate, go for it, intense kind of girl. I mean, just always go getter, striver. Um, and I think when I got those girls in my arms, it was just such intense love and such intense passion that I thought, I don't want to mess this up. And I haven't met a parent yet that's just, you know, they want to love their kids so well and they want their faith to be passed down. So this is a serious topic. I don't want to make light of that, that their faith and our faith for our kids is serious business. The most Eternity, serious. no joke. Like I want them in heaven with me. Yeah. But how we do it is where the shift happened for me. As I started making a list and during their baby dedication, they asked our church, we were in Atlanta at the time. It was Buckhead Church, and they asked us to make a list of some values that we wanted to pass down and make real to them, make their faith real. So we made this list of values. And then as I thought about how I wanted them to understand that faith was real and how I wanted these values to actually come to life in our home, that was when I started noticing, how is this going to play out? Because right now... I'm kind of lecturing or I'm feeling this grip that's all up to me and that's not going to go well. So you're saying at devotion time, kids, come on, we've yeah. got to read the word. Yeah. And you're not good enough. You <laughs> and I, you need to be patient. Here's how it's going to go. You're so not doing loving things. And I was then analyzing myself going, what are the, what kind of example do they have? I'm not meeting the match on any of this. And who does, you know, mm. I'm turning 40 this year. And if you look at my book and the 12 virtues that are in there, I've got work to do on all of them. So I really had a time of assessment saying, Lord, I want this so bad for my kids. I want them to know that he's real, but how do I do it in a way that they don't want to run for the hills? How do you relax, though, as a mom with yeah, that kind of attitude? Because it's messy. Yeah, I think realizing that when you mess up, that they get it sometimes. And that when you let go and let God actually work in them and you stop trying to be Jesus and you let God, um, and we show them Jesus. And that was a real turning point for me. I thought, mm. can I operate and parent in a way that I'm trying to show them Jesus and not be Jesus? And that's, that's a, a big real point. different shift. But I will tell you that it definitely um, relieves some of the pressure. And I think for me, um, I get gripped with comparison. I get gripped with the pressure of performing. And I also get gripped with that struggle of control. And when I think it's all up to me and it's up to me if they're going to be a good Christian kid or turn out to be a pastor, then I go back to that dictating form. But when I start unpeeling my fingertips and say, let me show them Jesus and let me have them do experiences and let them mess up and let them get back up again, then I can let go a little bit more. Yeah, Courtney, I'm going to press you because I'm okay. thinking I'm thinking of the mom, yeah. <laughs> no one in particular, <laughs> but I'm thinking of the mom that struggles because yeah. uh, they're much more comfortable with control. You know, they do fear a bad outcome. It's a tough culture that uh, their kids are growing up in. Mm -hmm. School, if they're in public school, they got a lot of uh, bad messaging to deal with when they come home and unpack what they learned in biology class or whatever class, sex education. Yeah. So how do you define a good control from a bad control as Yeah, a I think everything has a scale in life, and I would just – for me, it's moderation. So it's like, are you, and I've, y'all have had Jeannie Kanyan on before, and her whole message is fantastic on grace. And so I would encourage um, your listeners to go back and listen to that. And are we operating from an assumption that you're already loved and you're already forgiven? Or are we, are we you know, so I would go back and listen to that as a starting point from all of this. Um, and let me give you another practical one. Hopefully this will help answer your question. L- early in my um, ministry, I would say blog, I started 
writing and producing a product about ABC scripture cards. And so many got the message that if I'm going to have a good Christian kid, it's going to be about scripture memory. And I will check the box and my kids will be good if they memorize all the scripture and poof, they will know what to do at school and they will just perform and have the great Christian behavior. And so I've had to kind of do a mindset shift with my kids and other kids to say, that's not the purpose. You know, the purpose is so that when we get in a situation, mine came home and said, someone was mean to me at school. Then I say, what's the K verse? And they say, keep your tongue from evil. So we have a filter on what to operate through life. We're still teaching them to say, hey, we're not going to talk back to that person. We're not going to use unkind words back, even when someone's ugly to you at school. So it's not gold star, check it off the list. You're a great Christian because you know all these. It's like, how do we let God's word and truth move through us in parenting so that they're learning the right things and they're learning, you know, what to do and what's wise and the right and wrong, but we're not using it as a filter for you look like and walk like a good kid and now do that and don't mess you know don't smile now don't jump now don't go in and out of the line do you know what i mean back to the control thing yeah hey um you've now created these uh, virtue cards Uh, talk about that what are the virtue cards yeah when, when we saw the success of the abc scripture cards those became a tool that could stay out and parents were going i didn't have any verses top of mind so when i bumped up against a situation and my kids were scared at night i didn't know what to tell them And so H became, he cares for you. And you don't have to be afraid at night because he cares about you being afraid. So those were such a success as moms having a tool that was really easy for kids to memorize scriptures and moms too, that we got pressed for about four years on what's going to be next. And so as the book came out with the 12 virtues, Virtue cards were very easy the next step to say, mm-hmm. here are not only the fir- the 12 virtues in the cards, but here are 25 biblical virtues. And they're just conversation starters. There's an easy, kid-friendly definition. So patience would be waiting with a happy heart. Here's how your kids can understand a big word and little kid terms. And there's a corresponding verse that goes with that. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Parents, are you looking for an informative, encouraging, and engaging resource for your teen daughter? Check out the new and improved Brio Magazine from Focus on the Family. Almost double the original size in a book-like format, this trusted, biblically-based magazine provides teen girls with inspiring stories, fashion advice, cultural insights, and positive role models. Help your teen girl live out her faith. Subscribe at BrioMagazine.com. That's BrioMagazine.com. Good parents aren't perfect, and that's okay. But there are ways you can grow every day. Focus on the Family's Seven Traits of Effective Parenting Assessment gives parents an honest look at their unique strengths, plus some areas that could use a little help. Every mom and dad can help raise the next generation of healthy, mature, and responsible children. And this assessment will help get you started. Take the assessment at focusonthefamily.com slash seven traits. That's focusonthefamily.com slash seven traits. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Courtney, when I look at the virtues, I mean, even in Scripture, it says the greatest of these is love. So mm-hmm. let's talk about that one right now. Yeah. The virtue of love. How do you how do you transmit that to your children who are normally self-centered and they're worried about whether or not mom cooked the right sandwich for lunch? Yeah, I don't know about your house, but I find the hardest people to love are the ones that you're with every day. Because <laughs> uh, my husband's even said this to me. He said, I heard you on the phone with someone just a minute ago and knew you were so happy. Like, yeah. what happened? You and know? then you became yeah. a monster. Or okay, you're the monster on the way to church. It's and then... even better if you're in a little 
you know, disagreement and the phone rings and your spouse answers yeah. and goes, hello. Yes. <laughs> and you go, wait a minute, that yeah. wasn't the woman exactly. I was just talking exactly. to. Exactly. So the activity each month in the book, you'll find that I talk a little bit about the virtue and then I give people what I call a family fun activity. And so there may be questions around the dinner table. So this one's called Love Em Up. And the challenge is for the month of February, or you can pick any month. Can you love the ones that you're with? And it's through random acts of kindness, just like we would do for generosity in December. We will go sneak out in the community and love people, you know, from our garbage collector. So what about random acts of kindness in our own home? Can we sneak into dad's work bag and can we leave him notes and candy and just say, we're thinking of you? Or, you know, can we go to mom and take a chore off her plate to just say, we notice that your plate is completely full. So the kids and I unloaded the dishwasher for you and we left a note just saying, we love you and we appreciate your work. And so it's just teaching them habits of being intentional and showing that love is a choice and that we really do love the people. So sibling to sibling, this is interesting. You may have them say, we want you to give her a pedicure. We want you to make her bed or his bed. And that's not your favorite thing to do, but that speaks love to your sister or brother. That is great, but how do you actually get that to happen? Well, you know what? You have to let it to be their idea. You can give them, a lot of times I give them a question, and one time, I'll give you a story, Larson was maybe six, I think, and so I, this is not, my ideas in my book, this is not correction and discipline. This isn't learn how, don't run in the street. This isn't like safety stuff. This is to me 201. This is great icing things. So they're not going to get in trouble if they don't do this. This is just, hey, in the morning I asked them a question and I think the challenge was, okay, at some point today, girls, I want to see, can you make mom's job easier at some point today? I asked the question one time and then I let it go. No one was going to be in trouble. I wasn't following back up. I just gave them the challenge in the morning. And then later that day, I couldn't find some paperwork. And I thought, where is the paperwork? And I'm stomping around and looking. And then a sheepish little Larson came up and said, Mom, look under your desk. I cleaned up your desk today and sorted your papers. Oh, wow. And I thought, how cute. I had totally forgotten about the question. Oh, you question. said how cute, not how. Yeah. What? You did what? Yeah. Well, I was annoyed that I couldn't find my paper. But I thought, there was a girl. I asked one question. And then her heart, she thought, I can help Mom by cleaning up her desk. So I think it's a good reminder for us that um, some of these things aren't amazing mandate. They're not in trouble. You put it back in their court and see what will prick their heart to show mom or dad love or their sister. Courtney, I think Jim and I are both wondering this uh, about what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. All right. So I make the suggestion to my teenage son (laughs) and he says, so what? Well, that's, I was going to make the right? point that Courtney's dealing with two daughters. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Sons yeah. are a little different. We have teen boys. and <laughs> Hey, believe in them. They're sweeter than you know. Yeah, but they yeah. actually wake up thinking, how do I irritate my older sibling? Yeah. They don't yeah. think, yeah. how do I love my older yeah. sibling? So what suggestions do you have? Yeah, I think even sitting with them, and um, this is a great practice for them to be a husband someday, and I would bust out the love languages and say, you know, there is love languages for kids, and this is great conversation for you and your sons to say, I know what feels loving to you is a huge meal and a couch and a nap or whatever they love to do that makes them feel loved. But thinking about the other person and getting them already mindset their shift and say, I know what the next two hours look like for you, but we got to, you and I together, let's think about what we could do for mom. And you may just call them in and say, I need your help on this. And if they're not willing to do it on their own, maybe you call them in to help. Um, and so I don't think this is an age limit thing. And and de- I'm definitely a girl mom, but I've seen plenty of boys stepping up to do the most tender things. <laughs> a for girl their... mom. I like yeah. that. Hey, um, one thing that strikes me is that um, children learn a lot by what they see their parents doing. Mm-hmm. So 
I would think you'd, you're big on the parents actually modeling this as well. You can't just tell your kids to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They, um, we have these cups that too, that we talk about just mealtime questions that have questions and they always love to hear what their dad's going to say. Um, you know, they ask them what, you know, what is happiness? What is love? And his answers, they're always kind of glued to what he's going to say. And um, so I think it is important for parents to not just say, you know, we're you're the only ones that are learning how to be loving. We're always looking for ways to get better. And I think it's re- all of these, every virtue that we'll go through on the show today, it is critical that we're walking the talk and that they see, even when we mess up, that we'll go back to them and say, hey, what mom did this morning, I know that didn't make you feel loved. And so I'm sorry about that. Um, you also talk about another virtue, which is a good one, uh, forgiveness. Yeah. Uh, that can be hard to model, <laughs> especially for a parent yeah. who doesn't see anything wrong with the way I'm parenting you. Yes. I, <laughs> I would tell you that this is probably one of the hardest ones. Amen, and um, it's best friend or cousin is humility. And it takes a lot of humility to step up and teach forgiveness and to model that. How because... have you seen that play out with your children? I mean, what have you done to have to eat crow and say, yeah. hey. I One of the things I've seen is that it's getting them past the point of I'm sorry. And so right. it takes a moment to say, I, my, your sister's still heard about that. I need you to come back. And, you know, I stole some, um, I mean, I think every person should be in counseling. And so I stole this <laughs> from my counselor. And she said, you know, can they actually go through these motions and say, I'm sorry when I blank. I know you must have felt blank. Will you forgive me for blank? Like have them going through, not every time, but some of these bigger ones when they're really hurt and say they need to take ownership. And we talk about their piece of the pie. You know, they'll come to me and say, well, she, da-da-da-da-da, well, she, you know. And so do you go back through and say, no, I don't want to hear, you know, her part. I want to hear what you did. What part do you need to say I'm sorry for? And let's talk about that. And she must have felt embarrassed when you did that. Now go back and apologize and ask for her forgiveness. And they may not be ready. And we can give time. You know, if they're still mad for a day, we don't need to say, you need to be happy and hug it out right now. Maybe give them a day. And say maybe... it again because I want to make sure I capture yeah, this. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry when I hit you. I must have felt embarrassed or, you know, whatever the feeling is. Will you forgive me for whatever? Um, and I've had to use that as an adult with some friends and go back and validate that, mm. you know, even if you didn't mean to, or even if it wasn't intentional, because they say that all the time, I didn't mean to, it wasn't fair. You know, they have all these reasons. And so I think that is a key point for forgiveness is modeling it major for us as parents. And then um, just getting past that shallow, I'm sorry. How do you how do you plan an activity around that? Because I know the book talks about that, yeah. creating activity that reinforces the 12 virtues that you're, you're trying Absolutely. to teach the kids. So how would you connect an activity to forgiveness? Yeah, this one we lined up with uh, forgiveness being um, so important during the month of Easter. And so we made a cross, and this can come in handy for boys that like to hammer and rip things down out of nature. So if you, Go, find, boys. if you find two sticks, <laughs> you can make a cross. And one, I think this is just a visual tradition. And obviously, after this first year, they'll get it. But um, after you make a cross and you, you know, bring two sticks and nail it together, and then over time throughout the month leading up to Easter, you have them nail up or tack up individual sins. And I'm not talking specific sins, so it can't be Trent. When you disrespected Dad last night over (laughs) ice cream, nail it to the cross. No, it's got to be more like. Hitting one another, saying unkind words. So more generic sins, like we're going to just put these up on the cross and not specific to a child so they're not shamed. How did you know that? 
<laughs> Sorry, I was peering into your house. <laughs> and then what's cool is the morning of Easter, those sins come down and you can cover the cross with flowers. Oh, and so man, that's tangible. it's such a cool reminder. And my kids, we've done it for a few years now and they're they know now what's gonna happen, but it's still such a reminder of what has happened at the cross and mm. that they're wiped clean. Um, and so we just love that. And there, it's interesting what sins come up quickly out of their heart. And they're they're quick to point. You know, I was they're looking. Say, do they see their own first or the others? The first? others first. And then I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Think in your own heart about what things that we need to put up there that we could probably. Hey, let's erase. let's squeeze another one in before sure. before yeah. we move on. Uh, perseverance. That's one that oh, children really I'm need. I'm so glad you brought this up. <laughs> yeah, let's persevere. Perseverance. The you know the definition is. We could go so many ways with this, but working hard and never giving up came in a moment where Ella was doing the rainbow loom. Do y'all remember that craze? They're little no. tiny rubber bands. Oh, And you yeah. make these bracelets, and she was yeah. watching these videos, and I was so annoyed. You know, she would work, 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 and they would bust open. And I wanted to basically say, you can give up. I'm pretty much annoyed with this <laughs> bracelet system. Yeah. Vacuuming them So constantly. she would, yes, she would watch it for like an hour, and then it would bust open, and then she would watch it again. And I said, Ella, you are having incredible perseverance because I would have been done by now. And so I said, that's going to be our definition is working hard and never giving up. And so this has just been a thing that I've watched myself when I'm like wanting to give up on a sport, but saying we've got to make it through the season because we committed to this. We're going to persevere through, because it builds such character in them. Do you have to do that every time? I don't think so. Because I'm feeling guilty. No. I think, yeah, let me give you the example. Yeah. So when Trent was like five, I signed him up for a t-ball. Yeah. And we got out there. There was like, it was so funny. There's probably 30 kids in the field and the ball was hit and all 30 would run to the right field corner to get the ball. I mean, it was, and Trent was kind of standing there and he wasn't into it at all. And he said, dad, can we leave? And I was like, I think this is one of those moments if I don't want him to hate baseball, yeah, no. I should probably say, yeah, we can go. It's not, you're not ready yet. No, I think it's so individual it. to kids, but I think you know in those moments where they signed up and they begged for it and they like it once they get in there. That's typically my kid is they right. like it once they get in there. So but a it's, nudge. Yeah, a nudge to say, I know that you're tired or you just need a snack and you can do this. You know, it's just a nudge to say, keep going. It is because mine typically are like, if it's a little bit of work, nah, I'd, I'd rather not do that. <laughs> but one of the activities I want to tell you about, because I've really done some work in preparing for this. Can I tell you your names for, for Family Olympics? Oh, yeah. Okay. Family Olympics. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So the activity for Perseverance is a bit silly, so you got to brace yourself. But it's called Family Olympics. And we really started this just with a group of families to be fun. And I am going to challenge you to. I think it's the Fullers versus the Dailies. Family Olympics. And, and we have Olympics coming up. Right. The real ones. Yeah, absolutely. Not the fuller daily ones. So I brainstormed I think we're going to win because we just by sheer numbers, we should be able to beat I'm you. actually feeling like you're going to win, too. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you might need to recruit some people. Sorry, Dennis. But here are some of the potential names, and um, I even brought you some hats. I noticed those. We have to wear these hats? No. Well, you, your family has to pick a team color and a team name, and then you have to have some banners, okay. you know, just to bring up the team spirit. We'll okay? take a photo and put it online. Okay. And How if you that? do this, I'll actually fly back out and be like the referee. Okay, good. Okay? I like this. All right. So the Fullers, you could be the Fuller Flowers. Okay. That's that really seems, inspiring. Uh, that seems yeah, fierce. politically okay. correct. Put your hat on. <laughs> Here's your flower. I haven't accepted it Look yet. At we're, that. we're brainstorming okay. ideas. That the is fuller, really you. The Fuller Fire. I like Fuller that better. Okay. Fire. All right. I didn't have a fire. Listen, I was packing. Okay? This, uh, I didn't have a fire. For our radio listeners, it looks like flowers, but we're going to call it flames of fire. Flames of fire. It's okay. It's sunflower. Fuller flamingos. Nah. The fuller flame. <laughs> the fuller fury. Oh, that's or good. Or the fuller force. 
Those are oh. both good. Oh, which okay. way are you leaning? Well, we could we could have a play on words or uh, on on pop culture and call it Fuller Force Five. Oh, okay. How's that? There you go. All right. On to the daily. It's the Daily Dinos, <laughs> the Daily Dynasty. <laughs> now this is. This You're from is, Dallas. I'm not going with this that This is one. shocking. Okay. Because this is a very spiritual place here. Okay. The Daily Devils. <gasps> no, we're not going there. All right, all right. Daily Dragons. I like it. The Daily Dynamite. Okay. And the Daily Divas. <laughs> Probably. No. Okay, how not. about the Dinosaur Head? The, the Daily Dinos. Okay, Daily Dinos are very fierce. So you make your team, and then you make up just ridiculous games. Okay, they could be like minute to win it. So one year we did the moms had to spin streamers as fast as we could until they were unraveled. Blow up balloons. Blow up balloons. You can do the guys do horse and basketball, or you do like a water bucket race with the kids. They have to empty their buckets of water as fast as can. This can. sounds exhausting. It's absolutely <laughs> hysterical. And then you can do, um, you know, you lay on the ground on the grass and see how long you get across the field and back. So you would definitely win. I mean, you've got enough people to get there and back. He's um, got six. I've got four. Sorry. I'll, I'll bring some people. No, you've got eight. You can have Ellen Larson. He's got two more teams in the Fuller family. Many of them have left I'll bring you mine. Ellen Larson are extremely fast. But here's the deal. (laughs) What you will see is we joke, but people get very competitive, and there will be full-on tears. Um, Kids could start crying because they're they're objecting to points, and they're like, well, I spilt my water, and this is not fair. And so it's a silly moment to say, guys, we're going to keep going. This is just a fun family activity. And we really have had some interesting family debacles and friendships go almost down this. In this sounds like one of our camping hikes where we're a mile or two onto the trail and there are meltdowns, and we've got to <laughs> right. just coax the kids along as we go. So yeah. what you're saying is invite opportunities to be disappointed and to have emotional yeah. meltdowns because? Yeah, because later the stakes are higher. You know, they're going to get on a soccer field and have to persevere, or they're going to have a disability or there's going to be something major in life that you're going to have to say this is hard work and you're going to have to keep going so do it younger and more fun playful environments where the talks aren't as stressful and you can just show them this is an example of when we did it and we persevered and we made it that's good i like it i don't know if we're gonna do the should we do the competition well i, I think the biggest <laughs> thing will be to find a scheduling date that yeah, no you're kidding. home and we're home i won't hold do you it. to it but we'll if find... you do it i'm committed to helping you i think we should that? do yard golf <laughs> yard golf i think we could win at that <laughs> get right. some wiffle balls and we'll Keep go with me it posted Well, we were obviously having fun with Courtney DeFeo as a guest during this episode of Focus on the Family, and we certainly hope you'll join us for part two of the conversation next time. John, what we heard today was just a sampling of the fun ideas and activities that Courtney has provided in her great book, In This House We Will Giggle. I love that title, by the way. And that's really the bottom line message here. How can you help your kids grow and develop as godly followers of Christ in ways that will capture their joy and enthusiasm? Because if all we do is focus on the rules, the do's and the don'ts, that quickly becomes a turnoff for our children. Your kids need to see the power of God working in your life, which will encourage them to live the same way themselves. Here at Focus on the Family, we want to help you with that process. Every year we promote Bring Your Bible to School Day in October. And now we have our Live It Challenges every month with a new challenge to help your children establish and strengthen their faith throughout the year. These are some great challenges for your entire family, and I want to urge you to check it out at our website. Find all the details about the Live It Challenges and Courtney's book, In This House We Will Giggle, at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast, or when you call 800, the letter A and the word family.
And when you get in touch, I invite you to support this family outreach. The resources we've mentioned and this broadcast, our websites, all of it, it costs money. And we're looking for monthly partners like you who will support and strengthen today's families. You know, according to our research, we've been able to equip more than 700,000 parents as they raise children in loving and God-honoring families. And you can be a part of that ministry, working together. Imagine how many more families we can impact for Christ. So please consider a monthly pledge to focus on the family today. We'd love to hear from you. And if a monthly pledge isn't uh, possible right now, a one-time gift also makes a big difference. Again, our number, 800, the letter A in the word family. Or you can donate online at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for this episode of Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ. You're listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. So it's not gold star, check it off the list. You're a great Christian because you know all these. It's like, how do we let God's word and truth move through us in parenting so that they're learning the right things and they're learning, you know, what to do and what's wise and the right and wrong, but we're not using it as a filter for you look like and walk like a good kid. And now do that and don't mess. You know, don't smile. Now don't jump. Now don't go in and out of the line. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's Courtney DeFeo describing how you can be more effective in teaching godly character to your children. And she was our guest last time on Focus on the Family. We're looking forward to part two of that conversation today. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, last time Courtney reviewed some important virtues that children need to know, things like love, forgiveness, and perseverance. And what I loved was her ability to communicate these big concepts in fun and simple ways, even for kids as young as five, six, or seven years old. And frankly, I think these are great concepts for the whole family to learn, uh, mom and dad included. And that highlights one of our primary goals here at Focus on the Family, to equip you to be the best parent you can be and help you pass on your faith and values to the next generation. I'm looking forward to hearing more insights from Courtney's wonderful book, In This House We Will Giggle, Making Virtues, Love, and Laughter a Daily Part of Your Family Life. We'd be happy to tell you more about Courtney and her book when you call 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. And as we mentioned last time, this conversation was recorded a few years ago. Let's go ahead and continue now with part two of our conversation with Courtney DeFeo on today's episode of Focus on the Family. Courtney, welcome back to Focus. Thank you. So happy to be here. Now, we loved it last time. You really uh, shed some great light on how to teach your kids virtues. You're a fun-loving person, I can tell. You Is can you... kind of tell by the hat or <laughs> whatever she's <laughs> wearing. This the headband. very yeah, strange hat. I've got a flower on right now. Why not? Now, your husband, Ron, is mm-hmm. he uh, compatible to your outgoing nature? <laughs> He is. You would be shocked to know that he's actually the more joyful one. You know, he is waking up like Santa Claus and I'm 
moving people to the coffee maker in a bad mood. So, <laughs> you know, I tell people I'm the chief mood officer, and it's funny if I will just get out of my bad mood that everybody else starts getting a more a little more joyful. But he's really so happy. He's a great guy. Well, that is good. Now, in the book, in this house, we will giggle. You talk about twelve virtues. You've actually created a deck of uh, virtue cards yeah. that allow you to go through this. We talk about the need to. Uh, concentrate. You only do 12 for the year. So once a month, you just concentrate on one virtue because there's probably hundreds of virtues that we can elaborate on, right? Oh, yeah. It can be overwhelming. You know, my sister, we talked about this last time I was on the show. She told me one time, I can't read your blog sometimes because I just, it makes, reminds me of all the things that I'm not doing. And I thought, man, how many of us feel that way? That once we you know, open up a program or we even read our Bible, do we get overwhelmed at all the things where we're lacking as a parent? It's hard to live a perfect life. It is. It is. And thank heavens for Jesus. And I think one of the verses we talked about earlier, Jim, was when we read in Galatians about fruit of the Spirit, some of these things aren't optional. You know, if we're a believer and we've got the Holy Spirit in us, some of these things we should have in our lives and they should be a fruit of walking with the Lord. But when you look at virtues, um, you don't want to say, if I'm not doing these 12 that Courtney put in her book, then I'm a failure. That's not the case. My hope was to provide people with a conversation starter and a resource to say, if you are valuing a few of these things and you want some of these virtues and values that are biblical to surface up in your home to say, we were a family that was about love. We were a family that was about God's generosity. Then here's a few ways that you might learn how to practice that daily. Yeah. And in fact, last time we talked about love and forgiveness and perseverance. And if you want to know about those, get the CD. And today we're going to talk about respect, service, and humility. So let's get to it. Sure. Um, how do we how do we look at respect? And, and this could be I'm laughing because I'm thinking of how much disrespect kids can <laughs> give you as parents. Um, talk about how you can convey the virtue of respect without it coming with the dirty look as a parent. <laughs> yeah, you hit the nail on the head. We could easily say what respect is by going through the list of what disrespect is. <laughs> right. And I have some pet peeves. You know, interrupting is one of my, you know, I feel like we've got it together as parents until we go into a public setting and my kids start interrupting me in front of other adults. And I'm like, don't they know I wrote a parenting book? Like, stop interrupting <laughs> me in front of people. So this is about your embarrassment. It, totally. <laughs> and so I have to think, you know, I'm raising adults is what I'm doing. I'm not trying to perform and look good in front of my friends and have them behave like good little Christian That's kids. That's a good point. And so I want them actually learning how to sit at a business dinner and operate in a respectful way. I want them to be able to, you know, go to class and respect the teacher and their authority when I'm not there and when I'm not looking at them with a dirty look across the room. So this plays out from when they're a time they're little that we're practicing. And so I have them go back into a restaurant and thank the people for their meal. I have them oh, not crawl through the landscaping at places. And if they did it and they were little kids, they'll say, oh, okay, jump out of there real quick. Did you know somebody used their hands to plant those flowers and they worked really hard? And how would that make you feel if, you know, someone stomped all over your work? And, and so a lot of times it isn't a lecture and they're in trouble. It's just bringing their attention to somebody else was maybe involved in this. And that made them feel bad when you stomped on that. I appreciate your tone right there as you're speaking because that's one of the things I've really had to struggle with. My wife caught me the other day and she said, you sound so stern right there. Uh And we've had to really um, watch the tone. It's easy to get in that lecture mode and to say, hey, 
knock it off. And that doesn't communicate respect to the child. Right, right. And I think one of the things we can do that helps them so much is set ground rules and let them know what we're expecting up front. So we have this simple rules that we say, what are rest, what's restaurant behavior? What is a dinner behavior? What is a baseball game behavior? And they need to know. We can't expect them to understand that it, and we're in church or you're in big church, it's helpful to stay quiet. Or if you're in a funeral, this is how it's supposed to go. You know, we can't assume that at five years old or seven or nine that they know all the appropriate rules to be respectful of. Here's how you walk through someone's home and you know, ask them for something to drink, you know, or walk on their furniture. We need to explain to them in a nice way of how to be respectful of others. Now, how do you teach respect to your boys or your girls? Mm -hmm. What activity do you use? Yeah, this activity, you're going to think it's just for girls, but it's not. And it's a fancy feast um, because no matter your um, gender, you're going to get into a dinner situation and you're going to have to learn how to wait for someone to speak and you're going to have to learn how to greet someone at the door or hang their coat or pull out a chair. And so before it becomes... Um, your first prom or before you're sitting at a dinner where you've never done that before, I think it's time for them to practice. And so we set up a really fancy feast in our home. Um, And we did this with a bunch of little girls, but you can do it with their cousins or their grandmother. And where they're involved in the process. So they're actually going to help serve the dinner. They're going to greet people at the door. They may have to put on that little sport coat. Um, And we teach them how to respectfully host people in the home and teach them before it's the time where we go, good luck at prom, you know, good luck at your first senior dinner. And we've never told them about how to, you know, and it's not about having southern snooty fine manners where they can't be themselves it's like this is just how to engage and, and wait your turn to talk and and pause and listen to someone's story and and listen to what they're saying and look them in the eyes and thank them for the meal there's some basic i think just nice polite manners that's not over the top and one important thing that i've learned is that it's good to tell the kids when they're going into a situation as you just said with restaurant behavior Mm -hmm. do it right before you go in okay this is how we behave in this situation this is what's expected Mm -hmm. and then on the back end tell them tell them how they did um you know this was really good give them feedback and not just the glare when they didn't do it right you know you did this well you did this well this is something I noticed you didn't do so well. So you want to remember next time to pull the chair out for your mom yeah. or something like that. Jim, I'm so glad you brought that up. This goes across all the virtues we have talked about. I have noticed the biggest difference in my children when I stop and recognize the ones they're doing well versus trying to always talk about how we can get better. And I think what if our jobs was to point out where God was already moving in them and already saying, you are so kind, and I see it come up again and again. Yeah. You are so respectful. That's a good point. And they are. Our kids are so much better than we give them credit for. And if we can start almost watching like hawks, and watch when these virtues are bubbling up and stopping and pulling them aside and saying, what you just did in there with your grandmother, so respectful. What you did with your sister at the lunch table, so generous. And we just start pointing them out. Their little hearts, you can watch their faces fill up. And so we've got to be diligent as parents to, you know, praise them. And it's hard to remember to do that because we're like watching, you know. Well, we're always on the negative because it's easier to pick it out. Yeah. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Hi, this is Jim Daly with Focus on the Family. I want to let you know about an online experience called Sea Life 2021. In this six-episode video series, we're sharing stories and encouragement that will inspire and empower you to live out your pro-life views. You'll also discover valuable resources to help you step up and get involved in the cause. This is a digital experience you and your family won't want to miss. All the details are at focusonthefamily.com slash sealife. 
Build your child's faith with Clubhouse Junior and Clubhouse Magazines from Focus on the Family. Boys and girls ages 3 to 12 will enjoy all the faith-building activities, from fun crafts and puzzles to character-building fiction and powerful Bible stories. Invest in your child's faith all year long. Subscribe today at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash KidsMags. Clubhouse and Clubhouse Junior, award-winning magazines full of games, stories, and God. Find them at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash KidsMags. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Courtney, when you look at one of the hardest virtues sometimes to teach younger children, it's this idea of service. And it's probably the one as parents that we really want to see them excel in Mm -hmm. because we would like them to show service to us and to others. How do you uh, begin to impart the virtue of service into your seven, eight, nine-year-old? Yes, service is one of those that when it becomes their idea, it soars. And so whenever we can give them an opportunity to try it, and the definition is using our hands, feet, and hearts to honor God and love others. So it's basically getting them in the ballgame. And so when we, again, when we lecture them, eyeballs start rolling and things go over, they get the concept of serving. But so often in the Christian community, they always are told they're too young. You know, you have to be 12 or 13 or 14 to get involved. And so when we can come up with activities that say you are not too young. And I want to give you a story that will just blow your mind and give you an example. This little girl, CJ, is in my kid's school. She's seven years old. And just this last week, she heard a story by Food for the Poor on the radio and they were saying kids in Guatemala they actually starve if they don't get the food that they need and she said to her mom I'm so sad mom these kids can't die and they said she said they do and they said you know for x dollars a month you can feed a child and she'll they'll make it the whole year and she said I want to do something at seven years old it pricked her heart and the mom said I'll help you you just tell me what you want to do so they said we're going to have this Saturday we're going to have a water stand and then they went also she said I'll start a GoFundMe page and I'll share it on my Facebook page and her goal was $300 she could feed 11 kids for the year wow. that girl seven years old raised over $800 and mm. she's feeding 33 kids for a year for That's food for incredible. the poor so I've shared that story with so many people I put it on my blog we went to her water stand and got, took pictures of her and so she is beaming and she's got to tell her whole school about it and so it just showed me that just when you get a little girl's heart pricked mm. by the Lord to say, I'm going to do something about that. Her friends got on board and all of a sudden there's groups involved and they're moving. And what she doesn't need a lecture on service. She experienced it and she said, I'm doing this every year. And so that is just an example to say, you know, God can move through these kids. They're not too young. It's fantastic. I mean, really to have her open her heart up that way. Yeah. She's going to be a powerhouse as Totally. You could see her doing something And my girls watching her, their wheels were turning. Yeah. They're going, okay, I don't know if I'll do a water stand. I don't know if it's Guatemala, but I can make a difference. And I said, yes, you can. You just let me know what your idea is, and I will help you get there. That is good. Now, not everybody is going to have a motivated seven-year-old Absolutely. daughter. So yeah. what are some uh, maybe starter steps to get there yeah. in terms of teaching service? Absolutely. One of the ideas that we have in the book is this is basically your chance. <laughs> the moms may roll their eyes. The kids are going to love it to have a group play date, and it's going to surround on service. Because my kids are begging me all the time 
to have tons of friends over, and I'll say yes to one, but more more than one kid stresses me out. You're used to it with six kids. Um, but So you have a group play date, and the topic is service. So we say you can have five friends over, six friends, but we're going to do something for the community. And so whether it's a car wash, and we're going to just have a free car wash, and all the things go to charity. We're going to make meals, and all the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches go. This is just a play day at your house? Yes, or you can go to a school, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But the idea is that when they're with their friends, peer pressure is working in your favor because when it's their their idea uh-huh. and their friends are doing it together, it's a group service play date. So that's the big idea, and I've seen it work. It's worked for my kids. And I think, it, you know, for your teens, you may have to get a little more creative on where they're going. They may want to leave the house <laughs> to serve. But, duh. Duh, dad. <laughs> they want to be on their phone serving. Yeah, yeah we'll have so, to think of some oh, things for you that. You said serving, not surfing. Surfing, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, that another is... idea that we saw at our school is they did a Valentine's brunch. And it's a Christian school, so they can do this a little bit differently. But they did a Valentine's brunch for widows. And it was so cool to watch these widows walk in on on Valentine's and have a place to eat and be honored by seventh graders. And so you saw these seventh graders walking these ladies in, seating them, bringing their lunch over to them. And I thought, how cool. That is not just a suggestion. It's biblical. It's like, you know, care for our widows. And here they were, and they do it every year. And so I thought, what a great idea. That whole classroom got together and honored some widows that weren't probably typically loved on on Valentine's Day for some years. No, that is so sweet. Isn't that awesome? I love that. So I can just envision them pulling and yeah. pushing in the chair for yeah. those ladies. Amazing. And, yeah. Amazing. That is wonderful. Hey, um, we want to also cover humility, uh, which, you know, we got to recognize here when you're talking specifically about teaching children virtues. You know, there's recent uh, scientific research that shows Boys, for example, their judgment area of their brain is not fully, this is not going to come as a shock to anybody, the judgment area of their brain is not fully developed until their mid-20s. <laughs> now everybody's, yeah, okay, I could see that. And the point there is sometimes you need to be patient, that virtue of patient as a parent. Absolutely. Because your kids aren't going to get it. You're going to do this with your 8-year-old or your 10-year-old, and guess what? You're going to have to do it again. And you may have to do it again and again and again through their teen years and all that, because you're not going to, it's not formulaic. You're not going to do it once, walk away and go, okay, they have patience because we did this great thing. Um, It will help. It will contribute to forming that in them, but it's not a one-stop formulaic approach, is it? No, absolutely not. And I will be the first to say, I could do all of this stuff and my kids could make some really interesting choices that could have me back here on this show um, talking about some really poor choices or failures. You know, I had some really interesting choices in college, and I was raised in a great Christian home. So all of there is not a formula. Um, there's definitely not. And we have to have our hands open and say, God is going to work in them. And a lot of this stuff can be used through their failures in every one of these virtues. We can say, my kids bombed in every category, but we had the best lesson through the failure. I know yeah. in my life, I look back and say where I failed in every one of these categories is where God taught me the most. Well, and that's where humility is so good. So touch uh-huh. on that Absolutely. one specifically. Humility has a really interesting scale. We talked about earlier how there's a scale on all these, and then there, there's some gray area. On one end of the scale of humility, you have parents that have, are almost like the parents that put their kids on American Idol, and they've told them they're actually the best singers ever. <laughs> Until they show up on right. American Idol. Right, and you're Idol. thinking, why didn't someone tell them they can't <laughs> sing? They're terrible. <laughs> you know. And so my parents were awesome. My mom thinks I basically ran Chick-fil 
Chick-fil-A when I worked there. I'm like, Mom, no, I was not true at Kathy. I was, you know, <laughs> I was good and I loved marketing, but I was not running the company. But she has built me up over the years, and I am so thankful for her being a cheerleader. But there's a, tends to be a skew of parents that want to build up such confident kids that they overdo it, you know? So then the other end of the scale are parents so terrified of that that they never encourage their kids. And don't want don't, them to be proud. They don't want them to be proud, so they just knock them down and they don't ever encourage them. And so I find myself wanting to be in the middle, skewing towards confidence and saying the world is going to knock them down. The friends are going to knock them down. And so I'm not going to lie to them or I'm not going to be truthful about their weaknesses, but I'm going to tell them you are made for a purpose. Tell them the truth about how God made them and build them up because every day someone else is going to be knocking them down. Well, if you think about it in marriage, and we talk about it here at Focus on the Family, you need a five to one compliment ratio to criticism. Yeah. It's even bigger when it comes to your children, I think. It may be 10 to 1, where they need to feel confident about who they are in God and know their weaknesses, but, you know, criticize in a limited way. And uh, if not ever, you know, constructive criticism is fine, but you got to build them up, so I like that. But with humility, what would be uh, a way to get that point across in an activity lesson? Yeah, for activity, for humility, we've done a thing called Job Well Done Card. And I think an important activity for our kids early on is to know that they can celebrate others, even when they're not being recognized. And this has been so huge for my girls because they want to win. They're competitive like their mother, and they want to be recognized and win at everything, and they just won't be. And so over time, I've wanted them to show up at their friends' awards banquets. I've wanted them to show up at concerts and say, you are not in the center stage today, but your friend is. Mm. And that is hard for them. Is that yeah, I was going to say. It how is. is and it's hard as sisters, and it's hard probably as brothers to say, I yeah. wanted to be on the soccer team. Well, you know, tonight's your brother's night, so we're yeah. going to go celebrate. And my um, daughter's teacher, Mrs. Brown, just told me that her daughter said, tonight's this, you know, senior awards banquet or high school awards. And she said, well, I'm not going to get anything. And she said, well, guess who is? Your friends, and we're going. Yeah. And little did her daughter know she actually was getting something, but she made her daughter go anyways because she knew all of her friends were getting awards. And, and that definition for our kids is giving God an others the center stage it's like how can we keep deflecting things to say this is not about us all the time sometimes it's about what god has done in our lives or it's about others getting the center stage and how can we continue to deflect praise and glory to somebody else other than ourselves and that's hard yeah it is hard humility is a tough one i remember my youngest son he went out for the basketball team not long ago and there were 40 kids going for 12 positions and he had not played much basketball i think he did one year at the y and so I, before I dropped him off, I said, now, Troy, it's going to be kind of tough because you haven't been in it. And these other kids have probably been in it for six or seven years. So just, you know, do your best and then hang with whatever happens. He goes, okay, yeah, Dad. And he had such a great attitude. So the first night he got through, they had cut a few of the kids. So he got through and he was telling me he's all excited. I got through the first night, Dad. I'm good. I'm good. And I said, well, there's always tomorrow night. So just guard your heart a little. And uh, he said, yeah, I'm good. I'm good with that. There's some good players out there. And so the second night came around, I picked him up, and he jumped in the car. I could tell he had a little longer face. He wasn't quite Mm -hmm. as excited this time. I said, well, how'd it go? He said, well, I got cut. And I Mm -hmm. said, how do you feel about it? He said, actually, I feel pretty good. You know, I haven't played basketball much, so I'll just try harder and come out next year and try again. And I was so proud of him. He wasn't owning it in a bad way. He was owning it in a realistic way. He just knew his skill set was not as strong yet. And hopefully he'll get there, but I think it was a good life lesson for him. 
Good for him. I think one of the hardest things for me, definitely in writing this book with such young children, is I thought, Lord, you're going to have to, I can't share all my insights. What do I know? It's got to be something you're sharing and teaching me through my struggles as a parent. And one of my biggest struggles is the strengths and weaknesses of my children and knowing how do I handle that? Because you can compare your children to other children so easily. And here's what I feel like he laid on my heart. A quick prayer that I'll share with you is, Lord, let their weaknesses be the very thing that draws them to you and let their strengths be the very thing that draws others to you. So let me unpack that a little bit. I thought, Lord, when they're so weak, I want that to be the thing that they just cling to you and say, I don't understand why I'm not very good in this area. And let that be the thing that just that draws them so close to God. And then when they're really, really good at something, I don't want that to puff them up. I want that to be the thing that people go, I don't understand how she's so gifted at that. That must be God. And so that was just a big aha moment as I wrote this chapter for something. God was like, I don't want you to forget this about humility because you're going to be you're going to tend to be so proud of your children that you're going to want to like brag on them yeah, <laughs> and be a not so humble parent. So it's, that's and it's a great virtue. All of these have been terrific. And these are the core things we want to teach our children. Um, Courtney, it comes to mind that um, you can do all this great work and teach these good virtues, but there's one thing that has to be done. And a lot of, surprisingly, a lot of parents uh, look past this very core thing and that's how to lead your child into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, yes. I mean, we you can do all the right teaching and think that it's through osmosis or absorption that they understand how to connect the dots to God. How do you do that as a parent in an effective way? How do you uh, turn your child's heart toward the Lord and deal with that very fundamental thing of making sure they're making a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm so glad you brought that up. There's an entire chapter in the book on faith, but for mine, I had so much nerves around that. I thought, yeah. am I going to say it right? You know, I remember as a child, I probably said a prayer about eight times. You know, you go to camp, you're like, I think I'll say it one more time, just right. in case, to sure. just to yeah. be sure I said it right. And so we were looking at the ABC scripture cards and Ella was memorizing V and it says, very truly, I will tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. And she said, mom, what does that mean? And she was five. And I thought, yeah, oh, what no. A concept. oh no, here we go. <laughs> we're having that conversation and I don't know if I'm ready and am I going to do it right? And the control freak in me thought, am I going to say the right words? Is she going to get it? Is she too young? And so I just felt this push from the Lord to tell her, tell mm. her what it means. You and know, don't we do, underestimate their ability, to their get ability it. to get it. And so I said, well, Elle, you know, eternal life is somewhere that you go, you know, after this life, it's heaven. And it's where Jesus is. It's where my grandmother is. And it's where I'm going to go because I believe in Jesus and I put my faith in him. And I want you to go there someday. And she said, well, I want to do that too. I believe in Jesus. And I said, okay. And so we prayed together and I just felt this release. It's, the Lord's like, it's not that big. <laughs> you know, you're, you're overcomplicating it. All right, and trust it that I can work that relationship out with her. And I think a forced faith on our kids is going to fizzle. I think when we can allow and trust that God is big enough to move her heart, and I've allowed that to happen with the baptism process. She has not made that choice yet, but I'm like, that's her timeline. That's her process, but I'm going to keep putting her in a church. I'm going to keep showing her these things. We're going to keep studying God's word, but it's her faith and her journey and, and my other daughter too. And that's how we concluded our second part of our conversation with Courtney DeFeo, reviewing her book, In This House We Will Giggle, Making Virtues, Love, and Laughter a Daily Part of Your Family Life.
and uh, Jim. Courtney shared a lot of really practical, inspirational ideas for families. She did, and I really appreciate her passion as a mom to love her kids well and plant those seeds of the gospel in their lives. You know, as parents, we can't control the outcome. Our children will choose their own path in terms of how they'll live and believe uh, once they're adults. Uh, But you can be faithful in sharing God's truth with your children and modeling how to live as a follower of Christ. You won't do it perfectly. Nobody does. But even that's an opportunity to teach your children about confessing mistakes and asking for forgiveness. And the good news is you don't need to carry the load of evangelizing your family all on your own. Focus on the Family is here to help, and we've got lots of resources that will equip and encourage you, like Courtney's book and our monthly Live It Challenges, where we motivate children of all ages to take their faith seriously and live out what the Bible teaches in very tangible ways. These are great tools to help your entire family grow spiritually, and I hope you'll contact us to learn more about them. And the place to start is focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast, or just call 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459. And let me encourage you to support the spiritual development of other families as well. Every year, Focus on the Family is contacted by literally hundreds of thousands of parents who are looking for help. Uh, Thanks to the generosity of friends like you, we're able to produce broadcasts like this one and provide the resources that we've mentioned. But we need your ongoing help to keep that process running. And if a monthly pledge is more than you can afford right now, we do understand Anything you can offer will be helpful. And when you join the support team, we'll say thanks for your generosity by sending a copy of Courtney DeFeo's book, In This House, We Will Giggle. And it may be that you know of a family who would benefit from this wonderful resource. Our number again is 800-A-FAMILY or donate online at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for this episode of Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.